Hello there and welcome to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. On this week's show, we go to Sierra Leone, where the country is free to host international matches again, now that the country is free of the Ebola virus. We hear how football has played a part in ending Ebola. You can use football to pass on your message, whatever message you would like to pass on, because in Sierra Leone, people love sports. Also, Stuart continues his analysis of a fascinating interview that Ivory Coast and Manchester City star Yaya Toure gave recently. And we catch up with how the Africans are doing in the English Premier League. Manchester United drew with West Ham 0-0. But one really pleasing thing about that game was Alex Song started his first game for six months. So that's coming up on the show, but we start off with the under-23 Africa Cup of Nations in Senegal, where the top three teams qualify for the 2016 Olympic Games. And the semi-final winners, Nigeria and Algeria, are going to Rio. They meet in Saturday's final, while the winners of the third and fourth place playoff, also on Saturday, will qualify for the Olympics. That game sees Senegal take on South Africa in one of the biggest third-place playoffs ever. In the semi-finals, Nigeria looked to be a little bit lucky to beat Senegal by one goal to nil, and Algeria beat South Africa 2-0. How did you see those games, Solomon? It was a semi-final that I think a lot of people were not really expecting, though I felt a lot of football fans were expecting the result to go either way because first you have Nigeria up against Senegal, and Nigeria had a record of great performance at the Olympic Games, and they did that the last time they qualified in Beijing, in China in 2008, where they got to the final. Uh, and they lost to Argentina with Messi and Sergio Aguero being part of that team. Uh, but on the flip side, Senegal, you know, they've been consistent also uh, in that regard. And Nigeria had a plus. A lot was uh, at stake for them uh, in trying to qualify for a Rio 2016, having missed uh, London 2012. And uh, Senegal being the host nation, and which has produced great young football players, you know, as we know, a lot of their players are all over Europe. And in that game against Nigeria, they featured about four overseas-based players. Uh, of course, you would expect a great game. The Senegalese are, are very physical, and the Nigerian team are also physical. But then skills had to come into play, and also team coordination and how well they they play uh, You know, when they don't have the ball also. And uh, I thought in the first half, Senegal had all the opportunities. Even in the second half, they got some great opportunities, one-on-one against uh, the goalkeeper for Nigeria. He made about three great saves uh, that were supposed to be uh, goals for Senegal. And I can easily say he's my my man of the match. And he also saved the penalty. Uh, But on the flip side, Nigeria now in the second half got a clear penalty and also a red card for a Senegalese defender for handling the ball and trying to prevent a goal-bound move by Nigeria, which was really very embarrassing for me uh, because I felt uh, Senegal had what it takes. They were attacking and creating a whole lot of chances. But then Senegal have, you know, they still have another chance to make it to uh, Rio 2016. 
but we have to look at how uh, they go past uh, South Africa. But congratulations to Nigeria. I think Nigeria went into this game not just trying to qualify, but trying to win uh, you know, the championship. And, and winning the championship obviously gives you automatic qualification. So I think they've kept their eye on the goal and out there and playing. So it's really um, a great one for Nigeria. In the second game, Steve, it was a great game to see Algeria against South Africa. South Africa has missed qualifying for the Olympic Games for such a long time. The last time South Africa made an appearance was in, at the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games with players like Benny McCarthy, who played very well. Algerian football has been on the rise for quite a long time now. I always tell a lot of people, I think right now the top team for me in Africa is Algeria, uh, based on their club performances, their national team performances. Uh, Algeria's uh, club sides have been doing well in the continental championships and also uh, the Algerian Desert Foxes, that is the national team, has been doing so well also. So it's definitely going to wrap down to younger players because they would aspire to want to play for top clubs and also want to play for uh, the, the national team. And I thought against uh, South Africa winning 2-0, uh, it, it was a, a deserved win. Uh, South Africa didn't do well uh, to get those killer finishes and uh, that they should uh, have. And, and the second goal for me also was totally uncalled for, you know, that long-range short. I, I thought South Africa had should have done a bit better. But uh, against uh, an Algerian team that is well-balanced and very fast and quick, uses counter-attack quite well, uh, they didn't have a, a chance. So now they have to play against Senegal to see who qualifies. But having Nigeria and Algeria qualified already to play in the final and automatic qualification for Rio 2016, I think Africa would be represented very well. So it's either South Africa or the host Senegal joining Nigeria and Algeria to represent Africa at the 2016 Rio Olympics. We'll take a look back at the final and the third and fourth place playoff of the under-23 Africa Cup of Nations on next week's show. Now, African champions TP Mazembe of the DR Congo begin their campaign at the FIFA Club World Cup on Sunday with a quarter-final game. The tournament's taking place in Japan. This is the annual competition for the continental champions. If they win their quarter-final, Mazembe will face River Plate of Argentina. And if they win there, they would probably face Barcelona in the final. Sounds difficult, but Mazembe reached the final in 2010, losing 3-0 to Inter Milan, while two years ago another African team reached the final. That was Raja Casablanca of the host nation Morocco. They went down 2-0 to Bayern Munich, but put up a fine performance to get that far. And what can we expect from TP Mazembe this time around, Solomon? I think uh, TP Mazembe has uh, really represented uh, Africa the way that they should. Anytime they get the opportunity to do that, they go out there to really perform. Uh, their coach, Patrice Cateron, uh, you know, has really brought together a team that is playing really great right now. I don't think they have any other team around Africa that can really compete at the level that they're competing right now. They've been playing so well. And in 2010, like you rightly mentioned, they got to the final of the FIFA Club World Cup and they were runners-up against Samuel Etoza, Inter Milan. I remember that very well. And they've also won the Cavs Super Cup, you know, in 2010 and 2011. But going out and, and trying to play against a team uh, that is from Argentina, you know, I think they have to be careful. South American teams are very quick and very fast, uses counter-attack a lot with flair. 
But comparing uh, River Plate or a South American team to Tipe Mazembe, I would say Tipe Mazembe would be a bit slower. Being slow, especially defensively, would result into uh, opportunities for River Plate to score goals. And that is what you really want to avoid. But, but I feel it's, it's, they've collected a lot of experience across Africa. Uh, they have what it takes, and they, they just need to go out there and compete in football. Anything can, can happen. Uh, and it would be great to see them test their strengths against uh, the great Barcelona team with Lionel Messi and uh, Neymar and uh, Luis Suarez uh, because you, you really want to compete against uh, great teams just so you, know, you would get a lot of experience and test yourself. So it is great that they have this opportunity and I hope they're going to represent Africa well. During their CAF Champions League conquest, they got a lot of opportunities to score lots of goals. You know, would they be able to do that at the FIFA Club World Cup? That is the big question. Well, we wish TP Mazembe all the best there at the FIFA Club World Cup. Now, there was wonderful news last Sunday for football in Sierra Leone as the Confederation of African Football told the Sierra Leone Football Association that they can again host international matches now that the country is free of Ebola. CAF had banned Sierra Leone from hosting matches upon the recommendations of the World Health Organization and they were playing their home games away from home. Uh, But the ban, which took effect in August of 2014, has now been lifted following the end of the Ebola epidemic in Sierra Leone. Well, at the end of last month, John Hargreaves spoke to Sierra Leonean sports presenter Ishmael Saidu Kanu, who's with the BBN radio station in Freetown. And Ishmael explained how football has played a part in getting the message out about healthy behaviours in the country. If I could remember FIFA, they had what they called the FIFA 11 kick Ebola out of Africa or out of um, Sierra Leone. And they used players like Cristiano Ronaldo, Didier Gogba to tell people what to do for them to be prevented from having the Ebola virus disease, you know, and that helped a lot through the Sierra Leone Football Association and other international partners. I think you can use football to pass on your message, whatever message you would like to pass on. Because in Sierra Leone, people love sports. I can tell you 90% of people love sports. So they use sports for solace. So if you want to pass on your information, especially during this Ebola, as I said, you can, people use sports to pass on information. There was a league called the Central One Football Association, COFA, when the Ebola has subsided a bit, they used their PA system to tell people to wash their hands before going to the pitch. Even the players, you know, before the match, before they play a match, you will see they will have handshakes. But they advise them not to do handshakes because that is one of the ways people contact Ebola. So all of those things helped in bringing the disease to an end. And in fact, that's been one of the issues that uh, we have surfaced this week that I've been in Sierra Leone, is that uh, during the crisis, people weren't uh, really supposed to touch because that's how the virus Mm -hmm. was passed on. Now, of course, Sierra Leone people are very friendly, very warm. Touch is very important. And now the message is to re-engage, retouch. And and in fact, I believe Samuel Eto'o from Cameroon has been part of that. Tell me about that. Yes, Samuel Eto'o came to Sierra Leone early this month, November, for the FIFA for Health 11 program and he visited a lot of communities. He was welcomed like a hero. You know, Samuel Eto has won the African best four times, you know, at par with um, Yaya Tui. So when he came to Sierra Leone, the message that the Sierra Leone Football Association and FIFA 
wanted to send was digested by the people, you know, because Samuel Leto putting on the FIFA for 11 t-shirts, that sends a lot of information to the people that they should be careful in what they do in terms of their health programs, in terms of their health attitude. They went to various communities like Mabila community, one of the most deployable communities in Freetown, where there are health hazards all around the place. He went there to talk to people. He went to grafting to even tell people that health is wealth. People should use football to pass on the information to people so that they will know what to do, so that they will not contact, apart from Ebola, other diseases. That's a sports presenter in Sierra Leone, Ishmael Saidu Kanu, who's with the BBN radio station in Freetown. He was speaking to John Hargreaves at the end of last month on how football has played a part in combating Ebola. So Sierra Leone will host their remaining 2017 Nations Cup qualifiers in their own country, starting with a match against Gabon in March of next year. And Solomon, it's interesting that football helped in the fight against Ebola. Definitely, Steve. I think, uh, you know, the fight against Ebola was not just entirely a a medical fight. It wasn't just entirely a political fight. Sports and football particularly, uh, you know, had a huge role to play. And football indeed played a huge role as we had. uh, Because we first have to remember, Steve, uh, before Sierra Leone was declared Ebola-free last month, uh, the outbreak, uh, you know, has killed about 11,000 people, mainly across uh, Guinea, Liberia and Sierra Leone. Uh, and, and for about uh, 18 months, there was no international football in uh, Freetown or any other city across Sierra Leone. So it, it is uh, definitely uh, a good thing for them. Now, I would actually love to see a top a football club from Europe maybe during the off-season uh, to go down to uh, Sierra Leone and play. That way, I think, it's going to bring that affection and, and really convict people that indeed Ebola has been eradicated. And we pray and, and hope that that is the, the main thing. But football is a key part of our lives. It's a key part of our, uh, our who we are as Africans, and especially in Sierra Leone also, where they love the game. Because uh, football players have a huge star power, and football fans listen to football players. Uh, as a kid will listen to his teacher, or as a, as a, as a kid will listen to the, his parents. It was really a great strategy to see uh, you know uh, how that was used, and, and and I hope that that would not just be used when it comes to fighting Ebola, but hopefully when it comes to fighting civil wars or uh, disturbances and violent uh, type, uh, you know, crises around the continent of Africa. Well, thanks a lot, Solomon, and such good news that Sierra Leone is now officially Ebola-free. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Do take a look at our website. It's planetsportfootballafrica.com. There's pictures of the whole team there, me, Solomon, Stewart, and the rest of us. And it's been designed specifically for smartphones. You can listen to each week's current show there. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, the address at Planet Sport FA. You can keep in touch with news about the show at African Football News, the Twitter handle at Planet Sport FA. Still to come on the show, what is Yaya Toure's favourite position on the pitch? He said, looking back to Olympiacos, he had a kind of a fairly free role. Then when he went to Barcelona, he was mainly a defender. And now we turn to Facebook and WhatsApp, where we've been asking for your footballing highlights of the past year. 
Gemo is a Cameroonian living in South Korea. He listens to the show online at planetsportfootballafrica.com, and he says my footballing highlight of the year is Cameroon's indomitable lionesses reaching the second round of the 2015 Women's World Cup in Canada. A record that no African team ever had before in women's World Cup history. They put up great performances like thrashing Ecuador 6-0, and I hope that the Cameroon government encourages more female players. And my other highlight is my favourite team, Barcelona, creating history, becoming the only team to have won the treble twice in Spain. And Gemo adds, "I'm enjoying the prolonged podcast."、Uh, yes, we were pleased to increase the show to 30 minutes back in September, and glad you're enjoying the program, Gemo, there in South Korea. Gibril Mansarai from Sierra Leone and Lamin Saidi in the Gambia have the same highlight. That's Anthony Martial's marvelous goal for Manchester United in their 3-1 win against Liverpool back in September. The 19-year-old striker came off the bench to score his first goal for Louis Van Gaal's side since his $55 million transfer from Monaco, gliding past defenders and slotting home past Liverpool keeper Simone Mignolet. Quite a goal that was, and United could do with Martial rediscovering his goal-scoring talents, as they're finding goals hard to come by now. Although he did score in the Champions League on Tuesday,、uh, more on that game later on in the show. Sylvester in the Gambia is also a Manchester United supporter. My highlight, he says, was seeing them finish fourth in the Premier League to qualify for the Champions League after missing out last year. Dominic Gomez writes, "My 2015 footballing highlight is when Nigeria's under-17 team won the under-17 World Cup." Yes, that was Solomon's personal highlight too, as we heard last week. But Dominic adds, "My low point was when the Gambia were knocked out of the World Cup qualifiers by Namibia." And during the past week, we heard that Raoul Savoy, the coach of the Gambia's national team, left his position after just five matches in charge. The man from Switzerland claims he wasn't sacked, but quit the job due to personal reasons. He left the Scorpions in third place in their qualifying group for the 2017 Nations Cup, and with only the top side guaranteed a place in the finals in Gabon, the Scorpions face a tough challenge. And Asaidu Bar got in touch from the Gambia. He says he's not impressed by the Scorpions or by Raoul Savoy as coach. He says 2015 has been a disappointing year for coach Raoul Savoy. A lot was expected from him, but he could bring nothing to reality. He was brought to coach the Scorpions to qualify for the Cup of Nations, but all we've ended up seeing is the reverse. Scoring is a big deal for the Scorpions, and the right players should be made available to solve this problem. But they are far from sight. I think there, Saidu, you're referring to an alleged fallout between Raoul Savoy and Swansea City striker Modu Barrow. It's going to be interesting now to see who the Gambia Football Federation will appoint as their new coach. And Saidu ends with this: says, "Please be informed that I really love the shows."、Uh, well, thank you very much, Saidu. We're glad to hear that. And he adds that last week's show was interesting and pertinent. Says it was a marvelous one, and thanks for all you're doing. Well, it's a pleasure, Saidu. Hope you're enjoying the show again today. And thanks so much for all of those comments. It's always great to hear from you. And this week we're continuing to ask, "What's your footballing highlight of 2015?" And also tell us how far do you think that T.P. Mazembe will go at the FIFA Club World Cup? 
They begin their campaign on Sunday. If they win their quarterfinal, Mazembe will face River Plate of Argentina. If they win there, they will probably face Barcelona in the final. So how far can they go? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Or go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. And as well as that, you're always welcome to comment on any footballing matters that you like. Okay, let's catch up now with our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK, and we'll start with the UEFA Champions League. Arsenal doing wonders to win three nil away to Olympiakos and qualify for the knockout stage. Chelsea finishing top of their group after beating Porto, but Manchester United knocked out after defeat away to Wolfsburg. They finish third in their group and go to the Europa League. And uh, Stuart, it's not been great of late for Man United, has it? What does all this mean for manager Louis Van Gaal? In a way, losing to Wolfsburg this week in the Champions League is not a disaster. Good German team, probably the best in the group. The problem has been if you play six games and you only manage to win two of them. You know, home and away against PSV Eindhoven of Netherlands, they only managed one point. They only managed to draw at home, losing away. And that's where it went wrong. But, you know, the bigger picture is that Manchester United have had a nil-nil draw in five of their last nine games. And Van Gaal just seems to set the team up in such a defensive way. And if you think back to the great Alex Ferguson teams, which, say, 99, when they, they won the treble, or the later period when they got to two Champions League finals... I think there are probably about two or three players in the current squad who would actually get into that team. So part of the problem is they simply do not have players of the quality they used to. And Van Gaal has set them up in a very defensive way, which goes against the traditions of Manchester United with attacking players. I think that he will survive as a manager. Famous last words. I mean, I could be eating my words next week. But I think he will survive. I think Manchester United, having employed David Moyes and got rid of him very quickly, will give Van Gaal longer. Van Gaal had actually said that he's promised his wife that he will retire at the end of next season. But it's certainly not a happy time for Manchester United at the moment. And playing in the Europa League is almost going to be a distraction. More games and a competition that, frankly, winning will not mean a lot to them. Difficult times at the moment, certainly. And Ivory Coast, Wilfred Bonny on target for Manchester City as they beat Borussia Mönchengladbach. Yeah, it was just a stroll in the park for Manchester City, who had already qualified for the knockout stage of the Champions League. Good to see Yaya Torre, who missed the league game at the weekend, back and playing. And uh, Wilfred Bunny came on as a second-half substitute and got a goal. So good times continue at Manchester City. Well, good one there for Wilfred Bunny. And last weekend, another interesting one in the English Premier League. Yes, I mean, remarkably, this is apparently the first weekend since 1991 that Manchester United, Manchester City and Chelsea all failed to get a goal between them in the same weekend. And Leicester City are top of the league winning at Swansea, and three goals for Riyad Mahrez. Great performance by him. Jimmy Vardy, who had scored 11 in a row, just didn't manage to get a goal, so his run has come to an end. But, you know, what an amazing performance that was. And interestingly, Leicester City 
have two of the top three goal scorers in the Premier League at the moment, with Vardy with 14 and Mahrez now with 10. Southampton drew with Aston Villa. Uh, Sadio Mane was involved in the game but didn't actually score. But in the week previously, he'd scored in the League Cup against Liverpool in 39 seconds, which is the fastest ever goal, apparently, in that competition. And remember, he last season got three goals in three minutes. Well, his manager, Ronald Kuhlman, has made a statement about him this week, saying that he's not for sale, even if Southampton are offered $150 It will not be enough. So if any of you out there are wanting to buy him, you're going to have to find more than £150 in the transfer window in January. So uh, great to see him being valued so much by his club. Manchester United drew with West Ham 0-0, but one really pleasing thing about that game was Alex Song started his first game for six months, having struggled with injuries. So great to see the Cameroon legend back in action there. He had had one previous sub-appearance, but great to see him starting a game, and I'm sure that his presence will, will help West Ham as their season goes on. When Watford beat Norwich 2-0, Odeon Igalo scored. Now, that's nine goals in 14 Premier League appearances, and for those of us who may have questioned last year whether he could do it in the Premier League, well, we're eating our words now. Swansea losing at home to Leicester, but great to see Mudubaro, the Gambian, coming on as a sub. Now, that's the sixth time he's been involved in a Premier League game for Swansea. You know how he went on loan to Blackburn has now come back. And great to see him getting some game time for Swansea. And let's hope things pick up for them. Yes, I'm sure that listeners in the Gambia are very excited to see Modu Barrow getting some game time. Uh, now, you've been taking us through a recent newspaper interview that Manchester City and Ivory Coast midfielder Yaya Toure gave recently there in the UK. Uh, last week, you highlighted his commitment to Manchester City. You also said that he spoke about what his ideal position is. Yes. Now... In this interview with the London Sunday Times, he reflected a little bit on the development of his career and how, you know, you may recall he started at Beveren in Belgium, then he played for a year in Ukraine, then Olympiacos in Greece, then Monaco, Barcelona and finally Manchester City. And he said, looking back to Olympiacos, he had a kind of a fairly free role. Then when he went to Barcelona, he was mainly a defender. At Monaco, he often played as a second striker. And at Manchester City, you know, he seems to play all over the place. Now, recently, some pundits, including Paul Scholes, the Manchester United legend, referred to him as a liability in terms of his lack of defensive discipline. He has reacted to that by saying, look, I once played at centre-back in a Champions League final marking Cristiano Ronaldo, so how can you say that I can't defend? Interestingly, his goal-scoring statistics are much better at Manchester City than anywhere before. He scored 52 goals for Manchester City and scores about one goal every three games. Whereas if you go back to Barcelona, where, of course, he was mainly defending, it was a goal every 18 games. Monaco, while he was playing as a, as a second striker a lot of the time, he actually only scored once every five games. He said in this interview, look, 
If the manager, Manuel Pellegrini, said to me, I want you to defend more, I would say, that's fine. I'll play the role that he wants. But I'm not happy with uh, ex-players criticising me and saying rubbish about me because I'm playing the way the manager wants me to. And the fact that I'm scoring a goal every three games just shows how my attacking role is going better. But, you know, I've been able to play for different clubs in different positions. I can do anything a manager asks. Sometimes a manager plays me as a striker, sometimes defending more, and it's not up to me to choose. So I suppose the answer to the question you started with, Steve, is he did reveal the answer, but the answer is I'm happy to play wherever the manager wants me to, and I've shown over the years that I'm versatile, I can play in the back four, I can play as a defensive midfield, I can play as a striker, and I can play in the Manchester City role where I'm more of an attacking midfield player. But I don't need this criticism, which tells me that I should be defending more if that's not the role the manager has given me. Well, a very versatile player is Yaya Toure. So the answer is he has no ideal position as such. Well, thanks a lot for that, Stuart. Uh, That's it for the show for this week. But on Facebook and WhatsApp, uh, do tell us what's your footballing highlight of 2015. Also, we're asking how far do you think that TP Mazembe will go at the FIFA Club World Cup? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Or go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. You can follow us on Twitter, our handle at Planet Sport FA, our website, Planet Sport Football Africa dot com. You can listen to each week's current show there and find out more about the team. So from me, Steve. Vickers in Harare from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.